Greetings, podcast listeners. It's time to travel back to the iconic decade of the 1980s where teenage angst and rebellion took center stage. I'm your host, Chris Adams, and in today's episode, we are rewatching and talking about the classic coming-of-age film that defined a generation, The Breakfast Club. Join us as we explore the unforgettable world of Saturday detention at Shermer High School. Five high school students from different cliques find themselves stuck together, each with their own issues and secrets. Over the course of this day, they'll discover that they have more in common than they ever imagined. So grab your detention hall snacks and get ready for some introspection. Whether you're a brain, a jock, a basket case, a princess, or a criminal, don't you forget about us as we journey through The Breakfast Club on this nostalgic episode of Retro Life for You, Movies from the 1980s. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, host of the show. And uh, this week, we are without Mr. Travis Rollins. He is not available for this episode, so we have someone sitting in with us here. Uh, somebody from uh, Instagram that I have spoken to here often lately, and uh, Miss Cindy at Truly Outrageous 80s. Cindy, thanks for coming on with us tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, you want to tell everybody about your uh, Instagram page and things that you do and everything? Uh, yeah, I'm Truly Outrageous 80s, and it's basically just a pitch of nostalgia to reminisce about. In my case, the 80s was my childhood. Some people, it was their teenage years or they were born in the 80s, but for me, it was my childhood. So even though I remember a lot of the 80s, most of it for me was toys, cartoons, Saturday mornings, movies. And then of course, you know, I had siblings that introduced me to the music early on, TV shows. So it basically covers everything from a little bit before the 80s to a little bit after the 80s. Because mm-hmm. to me, late 70s and early 90s is still part of the 80s. It feels like <laughs> it, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. Because everything's kind of the same. Uh, we were ta- I was talking with somebody about this before. Um, I was talking about Jaws being a 1980s movie. And they're like, it wasn't <laughs> an 80s movie. I said, yeah, it was. I watched it all the time. He said, you watched it in the 80s, but it was yeah. not made in the 80s. It's an excellent point. I didn't think about that. But, so yeah. many, yeah, so many are like movies that came out in exactly what 1990. It's for me, it was like the 80s because mm-hmm. you know, or movies again like Jaws that came out in 78, 77. We all watched it in the 80s, so it's part of the 80s. <laughs> if you go to the opposite end of the spectrum, I think uh, Point Break and uh, what was it? No, it, let's see, Roadhouse was an 80s movie, wasn't it? That's 1989, I think. Yes, so I don't, yeah, Point, it's definitely Point Break. 80s. Point Break was 90 or 91, still felt like an 80s movie to me, the way it was set up. And yeah, definitely. Because you've just seen several movies by Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves both, so you, you, you think of them being big in the 80s. But it's not. I mean, you, you can't really, it's like 1991. I, I think the kids today have been robbed of Saturday mornings in their lives. Oh, definitely. Because we had was... some fun Saturday mornings. We looked forward to that every week. <laughs> yes. That's the only day of the week you would willingly get up out of bed early. Yeah. You had to 
be up and at them before all the cartoons started. I thought I want to say I'm not sure. Let's see where you were at the time, uh, where you live, if you were where you're at now, and everything, because you're Eastern time zone, and I'm Central. So I know if I wanted to catch everything, I had to be up and ready by seven o'clock to watch TV. So. And like seven o'clock, it was like the, I want to say it was, it was the Snorks and then followed by the Smurfs. Yeah, there were so many. And aside from just the one channel, all the cartoons, you had to flip through all, all the networks and try to catch a little bit of everything. And that was hard to do. You'd make your choices each week, what you wanted to watch that week, because you couldn't, I, at the time, it's not like you had DVR. Uh, right. There was no streaming going back and looking at it on YouTube later or on Paramount or Netflix. Some people had VCRs at the time, but it wasn't that common that every house had one that you could record stuff on till right. later on. So it's you to make a choice. So at like at nine o'clock, if you had, say, Shirt Tales, for example, on NBC, do you want to watch that or do you want to watch Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling on CBS? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you had I to mean, flip a coin. Yeah. <laughs> right. Make up your mind this week what you're going to watch and go. So well, that's where the TV guide comes into play. Right. You were able a, to kind of plan out your itinerary for Saturday morning. And you know what's funny? You used to say TV guide in front of a kid today and look at the blank look on their face. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It's kind of awesome. I like so many them. things. So many things to leave a blank look I, on their I, I, face. I like, to, I like to pick up my daughter sometimes about some of the things back when I was you know younger and everything. And I just get this look. And then she's like, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> A little bit. So, uh, this week, though, we, we picked us a good movie to talk about. Um, you know, I threw some suge- well, some suggestions out there, and you had some other ones back at me and everything. And this one sounded like a great one to talk about. I haven't done it yet, and I've always wanted to. And this movie is based on, uh, let's say, um, the five people having detention in school. Uh, there was the athlete. There was the basket case, the princess, the criminal, and the brain. Right. So, otherwise known as The Breakfast Club. Great movie. When's the uh, first... Uh, now, did, you, did you see this movie when it... Uh, was it probably not when it first came out. You were probably too young when it first came out to watch it. Mm, first, yeah, I remember I watching first, this movie. I'm trying to think. It came out in 85. So, I was seven. Yeah, I was too young to go see it in the movies. Or I could have been taken, but no, I wasn't. You know, I was going to see cartoons then. Yeah, um, yeah. I so I pretty much saw it in probably the late '80s, early '90s when I saw it. So television, VHS, or TV, like, most likely. Okay. Uh, I know. I'm sitting here thinking the first time I seen it, I, I was thinking it was on one of the television stations as well. Uh, ever so often, my mom would rent uh, on the weekend, like a, a VHS tapes and uh, the VCR, or before that. Like this discussion I've had many times before. The I don't know if you remember the video disc players or not. But, I remember uh, seeing them. I never had them. They had big old giant square discs that you would push <laughs> in and pull out, and the disc would stay in there. And you watch the first <laughs> half of it, and then it would stop. And you'd put the disc back in, pull it out, flip it over. Flip it over, yeah. Right, for the second side of the movie. It's like a record, yeah. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, it, I don't know if it was like that or TV, but I'm thinking I'm leaning more toward television. It's the first time I'd seen it on there. And looking back on it now, there were so many names in that movie that played in it. I yes. 
a lot of people, you, you, a lot of movies you've seen might've had one or two big stars and you get a lot of co-stars and supporting roles of people that did good jobs. But I mean, it's not like they'd be star power within a couple of years, but you're talking about Emilio Estevez, Molly Ringwald, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, Anthony Michael Hall, just those five alone. And then you throw in Paul Gleason and John Capellos, uh, just as just supporting actors around the school, the one that the, the one teacher, I think he was a vice principal. Um, Paul Gleason that was watching over the kids in, right. in detention. And then Paul, well, Paul, John Capellos being the, the janitor, but all these names and they want to do a lot of, a lot of other great movies. Yeah. Especially within those following two or three years. Yeah. And, and you've seen a lot of that in the eighties, really. Um, you had star studded cast, like in the outsiders star studded cast for young guns. Uh, so many different movies out there threw a bunch of names at people and you know, it, just, it was huge. Yeah, definitely. Everybody had their own, I guess, was a, a star on their own. Right. Did you, um, John Hughes, I know he, he had a bit part in this movie. Did you notice or have you seen before what it is he does in the movie as a cameo? John Hughes had a cameo in this movie? Yeah, the director of the movie. I, I think this was his first movie he directed too, or second movie, one or the other. Um, no, he had def- a, he definitely had, one of his earliest ones. Yeah, he he had um, the other Molly Ringwall. Um, oh, oh, he did. Uh, I'm sorry, Weird Science was it? No, not Weird Science. He did. Uh, her and Anthony Michael. Oh, Sixteen Candles. He did Sixteen Candles first, then came this yeah, one. Right, because had Anthony Michael Hall and, and Molly Ringwald both, and he invited both of them to the new movie. Yes. Yes. And but yeah, like, he he, yeah. he had a uh, a cameo at the end of it. He was uh, Brian's dad picking him up in the car. He was? Yeah. That I was never him. noticed that. Yeah, that was him. I didn't notice it for years. I didn't know it. I mean. Now I'm going to have to go back. <laughs> when, when you go back, it, it, it's amazing what you read and find out when you have, you know, now we have internet and everything. You get all these little tidbits and yeah. small stuff that you might not have known back <laughs> in the day. That kind of stands out now. Um, the movie budgeted. $1 million to make. It's what they gave them to make this movie. And it didn't take much. They were mostly in the same room the whole time. Right. You know, a bit, bit of the parts in the school. Uh, but the movie grossed $51,525,171. I would wow. say back in that time, uh, back in 1985, that was a big chunk of change. That was a success. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now the school they were in too, went on to be in another movie. I want to, I th- um, I want to say it was another one of his movies, and it might have been that that might be where I was getting weird science from. I'm not sure. But I remember I know, hearing about that, but I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure where I read it at. Now I was reading. It was Shermer. Shermer High School is the name of the high school they were in. And I want to say he went on to use that one in Weird Science. I think I could. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up too. Yeah. Now, now that I'm saying this, I want to go back and check myself later. <laughs> and that, I believe that's what it was. Uh, Which um, wasn't uncommon to reuse no. sets. No, not at all. Or locations, um, rather. Right. Uh, there was a. I think I read somewhere that the scene in Point Break in '90 or '91, where they were on the beach uh, with their surfboards and everything, was the same stretch of beach that was used for the Karate Kid when they were doing the soccer oh, okay. in the sand. Um, and one other movie had been at very same place too. So it's like you said, it's not uncommon to reuse shooting locations for stuff. Yeah, wasn't it some something similar where they use like the 
that Gremlins intro kind of outside was the same as what was used for, I think, Back to the Future. Something like that. that so now you of... get me, now I got to look <laughs> that up too. Yeah. Because now you get me wondering on that. Uh, what, what, anything about this movie stand out to you more than anything else that you liked about the movie? Um, I guess I would say there's a few things. What I liked about this movie and a lot of John Hughes movies is that the topic or just idea the whole movie revolves around is nothing major in a sense, but it was kind of enough to even be able to make a whole movie about and attract the attention and success that it did. Mm-hmm. That I think is is pretty. Yeah, that takes talent. <laughs> it does as a yeah. as a writer and as a director. And it's John Hughes style, the way he does. You think about all the movies he's put out and everything. He's got a lot of that stuff with teens going on, the whole teen feel. I mean, and he yes. had a great he he had a great you know pack of kids to work with, for lack of better terms. They called him the Brat Pack, wasn't it? You know, coming up, right? So I mean, so many good ones that age that could do those kind of movies that he was putting out. And he was and, able to use them for a few years, even into their twenties, where they were making movies more of like the single kind of relationship and kind of morphing into the older topics, but he was still able to use the same, the same actors. Right. And you think act uh, actors, you think directors during that time frame in the eighties, and he's one of the biggest ones whose name stands out. And there was quite a few during that time frame, you know, I mean, but when you think of an eighties feel, you automatically feel like, you know, the, the teenagers in high school and the troubles are going through little teenage love stories or uh, problems at home with the parents and the kids and all these different things that they're going through and experiencing in the breakfast club that they, that they tell you about, or that they tell each other about in that circle when they're sitting around that, that just feels like the typical eighties movies that we've seen, except for the ones where the kids go on adventures, you know, you bring right. Goonies or explorers or, you know, something like that, Stand By Me, where they take a little trip <laughs> for what they do in that. <laughs> um, so I thought the whole idea of the of a movie of the kids spending a day in detention, when I first thought about this, when I first heard about it, I thought, this is going to be a dumb movie. Because there's kids in detention. You know, you're a kid watching this movie. You don't want to see about detention or anything, right? And I'm thinking, this can't be that good. And then I watched it, and I loved it. I thought right. this is an absolutely great movie. And uh, being that young at the time, I didn't really get too much into the reasons of why they were in detention, what they did to get there. As you get older, you kind of understand that part a little bit more, a little better too. Um, you know, the kind of the sad type stories that they've got about each other and everything to get in there. Being that Bender's not exactly the terrible kid you think he is because he's going right. through so, much pro- so many problems at home that make him a bad person. And, and, and even his problems as bad as they sound, you've got the opposite end of the spectrum with the brainy kid, Brian, who has all the pressure in the world to keep making all the great grades. You think his parents probably take good care of him, but the pressure is so immense that it weighs down on him to the point to where he's even thinking about suicide at one point. So, Right. They all can kind of identify with the same feelings, even though they are they all lead different lives. Right. It's like, uh, I believe it was Emilio Estevez's character said in there, um, nobody has a good home life or something. If we did, we'd live with our parents forever. 
Right. <laughs> so, oh, uh, and, and it had some some really good humorous stuff in it too. I thought, you know, it's not exactly set to be a comedy. I don't think, but it's got some good humorous moments in it. I, that that was pretty good. The if you had to pick a scene from the movie that you think is probably the funniest part of the movie to you, which one would you go with? I guess I would probably say uh, when Bender comes back and the principal comes into the room and they're trying to hide him. <laughs> I, I was afraid you were going to go that route. That's it. Yes. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> because it's definitely, you know, in, in Bender style, of course, he has to take advantage of the situation. And then they're all trying to cover it up so that the principal or um, doesn't realize that he's there instead of where he left him. And the fact he says he won't be made a fool of. Right. And then turns around and walks out. And that thing from the toilet he was sitting on is stuck the seat to his cover. Pants. The seat cover is stuck to his pants. <sighs> and they're all laughing at him as he walks out. I'm like, that is hilarious. That is too much. Watching this movie kind of made me think about high school in a way. Not that I had like the high school life that they had or anything, you know, but I mean, I'm just thinking how watching this, it reminds me that there's always that certain group of people in school. There's always the different ones. You've got, you've got uh, your, your athletes, the jocks, whatever you want to call them at that point. You've got your cheerleaders. You've got your very sociable people, you know, that all, it's all about. The you know, popular, the pop, the popular, I guess. Yeah. Um, there is uh, the the nerd slash brain student. You've got, um, you know, the group of people who always were there with their their rock concert t shirt on and their blue jeans and right and whatever the case may be. So it's like I was thinking back on man, where did I fit in and all that? I was thinking um, the same every time I watched this movie. I was like. You know, and and when I watched it again, mm-hmm. I always think, I wonder where I would have fit in. Where, where do you put yourself at if you think about it? Because I was definitely one of the kids with the rock shirts on. I'm not going to lie. I, I had, you know, my poison, my Motley Crue, the this <laughs> shirts, the ACDC shirts, you know. Guns but were you a troublemaker is the question. <laughs> no, not a troublemaker. I was not, I was actually a quiet kid, believe it or not. I was a quiet kid. I, I, I had like a small group of friends that I, that I hung around with. And I left it at that because the smaller your circle, the less likely you're going to get in trouble <laughs> at the end of the day, you know? So yeah, it's hard to pick which character I would identify most with because I wasn't necessarily um, amongst the popular, but I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't a brain. I wasn't a, you know, troublemaker. So sometimes I feel like I probably would have identified more with like the awkward, <laughs> believe it or not. So are we going with the Ali Sheedy character? I think so. I was very shy and very quiet as as a, like in my early teens. I blossomed a little more towards the end, but um, I was definitely more of a kind of watching, quiet. Yeah, did my own thing. Mm-hmm. I had friends. I was friends with everyone. I was, you know, I knew the some of the jocks, some of the popular, but from the outside of those groups. Right. Like knowing them is one thing, but being them is another altogether. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I didn't really make friends with everybody per se. Like you said, quiet, kept to myself and everything, uh, that kind of deal. But um, I don't know. 
I want to say it was probably my senior year before I really <clears throat> like stepped out of that shell or something a little bit uh, due to one of my friends. I'm still friends with today. Actually, um, he would do everything he could to put you out in front of people, you know, because he was very outgoing and talking to everybody and anybody. Uh, nobody in school was a stranger to him. He didn't really hang out with the athletes or the cheerleaders or the populars or you know, the nerds or anything like that, but he still knew who you were and he would speak to you and talk mm -hmm. to you. So he would do things to single you out in front of a crowd and you either <laughs> learned how to go with it. You either learned how to go with it or you just stayed a nice little shade of red the whole day. Long, you know? <laughs> so he put the spotlight on you pretty much. That's what he would do. So I just learned to go with the flow. And when I started doing that, you know, that kind of got me out of my little shell I was in, you might say. Yeah, I think I can say the same. It was probably between junior senior year that I also broke out of that shyness. Was still a little shy, but not as much. Like I would speak more, and as opposed to probably fourteen, fifteen years old, it was more of a, you know, if somebody spoke to me, then I would answer. But other than that, it's like I kind of just kept walking. <laughs> you didn't go out of your way to say hi or nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that definitely sounds like me sliding through the people in the hallway, going to the next class, just trying to avoid people. Were you a middle child? <laughs> I was actually the older of two. Oh, okay. So I always thought that was kind of like a middle child thing, which I am. So <laughs> I don't think it's just a middle child thing. I think it's just, I, I don't know. I, I, not, I was never comfortable with getting pictures made. I was never comfortable with being the spotlight. Uh, the center of attention. That's that's what pictures are. You're the spotlight. You're the mm -hmm. center of attention of the picture. So I never was comfortable with that. I, I can remember being back in the eighth grade. You're going to laugh at this, but <clears throat> put myself out there. Um, my mom, she moved schools quite a well, She moved quite a few times. So I changed schools quite a few times till I hit ninth grade and it finally stopped. And we found a place to plant permanent at that point, you know? So I never liked making new friends, getting in front of people and doing anything. Well, in the eighth grade, in one of the schools I was in, one of our assignments was to come up or just to get in front of the class and read a recipe. It didn't matter what it was. I would not get up and do it for nothing. <laughs> she says, the teacher's like, well, Chris, come on. It can just be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I know you know how to make that. Just stand up here and tell us how you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I took the zero. <laughs> because you wouldn't. <laughs> and I'll have you, I'll tell you that six week semester for me, I actually finished that. It was, I think it was English class. And while we were doing a recipe in English classes beyond me, it must have been a part of something altogether different. But that actually dropped my grade to like a 67 that six weeks. I failed at six weeks because I would not get up and read a recipe in front. Of, <laughs> that's how bad I had it at that point. I would not do that. So I was it's something similar for me in the sense um, where I'm originally from New York, but um, for high school, like right, right when I graduated eighth grade, my mom decided to pick us up and move us to Ecuador. So I went to high school in Ecuador. Um, was that, was I, that like a, a shock for you? A big, was, yeah, a little huge bit. difference and everything? A little bit because I knew Spanish, but just the Spanish, you know, at home, not, you know, Spanish, like grammar and all the, you know, going to school in so like, Spanish. So like, you, so like, you know, when you're in trouble, but you don't know how to ask for help or something. Was it? 
yeah, so it was it was the weirdest thing because I was just thrown into high school, a, a new school, and obviously, like I said, it wasn't necessarily a different language, but in a sense, yes, because I had only gone to school in English, and now it's in Spanish. And yes, I spoke Spanish, but I couldn't read it the way another high schooler would be reading Spanish. So right, something they, similar because they grew up. <laughs> The entire time yes. in, that, in that situation, could you under? I mean, could you could you sit in class and understand it? But maybe yes, not just. I knew it. I knew how to speak it. I could understand it. It was you know because at home it's I'm first generation, so my mom only spoke Spanish. But it's different when you have to read with the grammar and know exactly where you emphasize the vowel because I'm, of the accent mark and all this. So I'm lost. <laughs> when I came, <laughs> they made me read in front of the class because oh. everyone had to read in front of the class, and here I am trying to read. And the teacher's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And I had to, I'm like, I just moved from, you know, <laughs> a month ago and you're having me read Spanish. That's what's wrong with me. <laughs> but I got used to it. And eventually that year, yes, I had low grades that year because of the fact that, you know, it was a little bit of an a, adapting situation, but I could say it was probably the best thing she could have done for, for me. I, I, I do remember in high school, uh, you know, they will always offer you the chance to take a different language in high school. And Spanish is always a popular one to take. And there was, um, I think French was another one. I think, it was, I think the only two in my school offered was Spanish and French. But I didn't tackle either one of them. I didn't even try. And um, here, years later, I'm like, I'm lost looking at some of it. <laughs> um, I really am. I'm like, I, someone tried to explain a few things to me. I was like, well, that makes no sense whatsoever. I don't understand why you're saying this, though. Why is it like this? So the only thing I ever learned was just enough to get my butt kicked, probably. Interestingly and, enough, they taught English over there. So that was like the only subject that I aced. <laughs> you could have been a tutor. I was, actually. Yeah. See, there you go. See, that had a positive spin to it, at least. Though. Yeah. Uh, the, the negative part that I got here from not learning something like that Um was that I, I tell the story to some of my friends quite a few times. Uh, I lived next door to um, this, this girl years ago. I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee uh, quite, a, quite a few years ago. And the girl next to us was dating a guy uh, who was Hispanic, but he was not, um, he was not here legally or anything. So he was always afraid and very cautious of who he would talk to and stuff. Right. And, she called him on my phone one time. This is when cell phones were first finally come where people were starting to get their first cell phones on average, not just every other person may have one. It was more of a regular thing now. And she used my cell phone to, to call him one night. Well, he started calling my house at two o'clock in the morning Oh my god! every night looking for her. And I was trying to sleep and I, I was married at the time. And my wife, she could speak a little and understand more than she could speak. But I was so mad and so tired that I was yelling at him through the phone line, you know, so-and-so is not here. And I said, do you abla? And my wife just <laughs> cracking up. And I said, well, what are you laughing about? She says, you just asked him, does he speak? I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and I just hung the phone up and put it down. I went back to bed. Oh, you need, to, you need to know the essentials, at least how to argue. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Mm -hmm. I, I have no one to teach me, though, and I don't catch on to it very quick. So <laughs> I'm just stuck with how it is, I guess. I, I just finally accepted the fact that if there's people around me who are talking 
uh, Spanish and they're laughing. I'm just assuming they're talking about me. And I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave. We, we leave it at that. Oh my gosh. Uh, is there anything about the movie that you didn't like though? Really that you wish they might've gone a different direction with, or are you just really happy and content with everything that they've done with it? Um, I think everything pretty much like the transition of throughout the whole movie was pretty good. Um, they all had their different stories, their own, I guess, what they felt were issues. Um, yeah, I think everything was, I don't know how true or how true to life it would have been like the scene where the principal kind of threatens Bender and actually wants to fight him, like how that would be in real life. But I guess it gave it a twist, you know, kind of like giving how Bender's always seen as a certain way and, and you're seeing how vulnerable he was at that moment. Right. Because he didn't seem like such a baddie at the time when the principal was really wanting to throw down with him. Right. You know, basically offering it up to him saying, here it is. Take the first shot. Let me have it. Give me your best. Please just give me your best. You know, I've, I I could remember some kids who acted like Bender did. And I, I can't honestly say I remember a teacher ever offering themselves up for a fight. Now the closest you would have got to that probably would have been um, one of the say athletic coaches or something, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that didn't want to hear any more lip or something like that. And they may have stepped up and maybe you know, thrown the gauntlet down at one of them or something, but I don't think I've ever seen anything like that either, but it does give some, some good, some good meaning to the movie when you, it gives you an idea of what, what Bender is really like. Yes. He's a bad kid in the sense that he gets in trouble a lot, but he's acting out more because of what he's going through at home for the most part. So he's not really as tough as he's portraying, but he's got to be a tough enough kid to take the, you know, the, the stuff that's going on with him and everything. Right. Do you remember the scene since you just seen it today? I'm sure you do. Uh, they're all sitting around in a circle in the library telling their stories and everything you've got where Amelia rest of is doing his story about his dad and what he did to the kid that got him in there. You've got uh, Anthony Michael Hall talking about bringing the flare gun to school, getting caught with that. Uh, that entire scene that they did was ad libbed. It was not scripted. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, that, I, th- I thought that was a credit to the actors and actresses right there with what they did during that entire scene they filmed, you know, all of it just being ad-libbed on the spot and then accepted by Hughes as being, you know, that's, I couldn't have written it any better. You know, that's great. Yeah, no, definitely. We're, we're going with that. I, I, I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, I, I never was much for, you know, of course, there's another set of kids we left out from school, the drama kids, the drama club people, right. you know, the ones that the theater kids, um, you know, they would see that and they would be breaking it down. Right. I'm like, I, I couldn't imagine sitting there and coming up with something like that on the fly and being that believable with it. And that good. Right. Everything was true to their character. It, it was. And I'm not saying that they're terrible actors, actresses, I'm not saying they're the best in the world either, but if you can pull that off like that and make me believe it, I, that's pretty doggone good to me. Yeah. And from kids pretty well. Some of them are kids. <laughs> Some of right. them were in their twenties. <laughs> right. 
But that, I mean, how old was Ralph Macchio when he did Karate Kid? Like 28? True, yeah. 20, 20, 26 true. or 28 playing a 16-year-old, 17-year-old? I think they did that a lot back in the day. They did. They did, actually. Uh, they could get away with it, though, because they had baby faces. They they looked a lot younger. True. The only actual teenagers was Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Yeah. The other four were already in their 20s, especially uh, Bender. <laughs> right. And I always like you know, reading the little trivia bits about the movies and everything, you know, like what happened behind the scenes, who did this, who did that. Uh, they almost fired Judd Nelson at one point. Uh, Hughes was ready to fire him and get rid of him and start over with Bender. Really? Because he was antagonizing Molly Shannon, Molly Shannon. That's SNL. Molly, yeah. <laughs> Ring, Molly Ringwald. He was antagonizing her so bad to the point that he had her in tears. And really? but he was but he was staying in character is what he was doing. He was not breaking character from when they were doing their stuff. So Paul Gleason had to talk him into not firing him because he's a great actor. He's staying in character. He's just it's it's he's one of those you know I guess yeah. char- character actors or whatever they call them, uh, method actors. Uh, he but he almost let him go for that, which I thought was really crazy could you imagine being that far into it and having to fire somebody and reshoot all their scenes because they were a little bit you know crazy yeah i can't even imagine who they would put in his place it's hard to even think of someone somebody else in in any of these roles right and that's where i was going next with it too because there were some people that almost uh didn't get to the scenes that the, the characters that they got actually um of course you know about molly ringwell and anthony michael hall being in 16 candles so he invited them over right right um molly ringwald was supposed to play a different character in the group she was supposed to be the one that ali sheedy played but she really wanted the role of claire and she talked him into letting her be claire and they turned around and they casted ali sheedy's the other uh some of the other people though to play claire whose name at the time was actually kathy not claire in the first draft of the script but they had auditions from Robin Wright, and I can't place her. I'm not sure what she's from. I don't remember the name. Uh, but Jodie Foster, Diane Lane, Laura Dern, also there were three names that came up. Wasn't Robin Wright um, Jenny from Forrest Gump? It, it could be. I can't. I just can't place it. I'm not sure. And I haven't looked her name up or anything. To yeah, say she was sure. married to Sean Penn. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm, well, see, I'm glad one of us knew then, because <laughs> I did not. Uh, Amidio Estevez was originally cast for the role of John Bender. Really? Wow. But he said, however, when Hughes was unable to find someone to play Andrew Clark, Estevez was recast. Then they considered Nicolas Cage for the role of John Bender. uh, Because that was the last role to be cast, though the role was narrowed down to John Cusack and Judd Nelson. Alan Ruck also auditioned for the role. Wow. Um, Hughes originally casted Cusack, John Cusack, as John Bender. But then he oh. decided to replace him with Nelson before shooting began because Cusack could not look intimidating enough for the role. I was just going to say, he's a little, I don't know, has that like sweet vibe to him. When I think of John Cusack, all I think it was better off dead at that time. <laughs> I, I, that's the role I see him playing. I don't picture him being a bender. By yeah, name. me neither. I, I, just, I, just, I just couldn't get into that. I just think um, of him and, you know, with the boombox. <laughs> right. Or was it uh, say anything? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the five main stars we have here, is there one in particular that you followed the most during that time? Or did you 
that you had a favorite of, or did you just pretty much watch everything and anything at that point? It didn't matter who was in it. Um, I think I, who didn't like Molly Ringwald and wanted to be like her because, like, you know, Pretty in Pink, it was all about the fashion. And Emilio Estevez was definitely high up there because between this movie and St. Almost Fire and then Young Guns, he was like growing into this really big mm-hmm. movie star. So I think those two would be the the top ones that I always try to see what they were working on. And it's funny, uh, Young Guns at the time was probably one of my favorite '80s movies when it comes down to it. Um, yes, I but when you talk Young about Guns. like so, some of the top names out there, I want to say Anthony Michael Hall did quite a bit of work in the '80s. Yes, you're talking National Lampoons. You got Johnny B. Good. You got Weird Science. You know, of course, there's The Breakfast Club. He was he was around. He was in everything. Few, I know. He's just popping up here and there. Um, I can't remember everything that was Emilio in the eighties. I, I, I'm I'm thinking if I spit some out, they're going to be nineties movies in my luck because of what we talked about earlier. It felt like eighties, but it was actually nineties. But I mean, he had well, what was Mighty Ducks? Was that nineties? I that, think that was nineties. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if the, if the first one started out in the nineties or if it started out in the late eighties. I see there was Minute Work with Charlie Sheen. He had that movie, right? And I, I want to say now that one might have been in the eighties. But I'm I can't sure. I, once again I, I can't I can't swear to it. I'd have to look it up for sure. <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> it, it is all kind of a blur at this point, is it not? But Molly Ringwald did have some good movies. Um I I don't know why she really didn't follow a longer career with it. If it was really a, her choice to not have a longer career, or if nobody just wanted to cast her in a lot of stuff anymore. I know she was gone for a while. And then she started showing up in a couple of other different things here and there. I want to say she was in the TV movie of the stand that they did on CBS years ago, which was, which was, that was really good. She came back later on, I guess, in the, on TV and in series, but in movies, I don't think I've seen her. Or at least I don't remember after like some nineties movies. What was that movie that I was, maybe it was in the eighties too. With the last, Downey Jr. I forgot what that movie's called. The the last movie I remember seeing her being advertised in as she got older was something I think it was called Fresh Horses or something like that. Okay. And, and that that could have been in the eighties too. But once again, that's the last one I can remember. I remember her earlier stuff, like there, there was Pretty in Pink. There was a uh, oh, what's the other one that right after Pretty in Pink? Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink. There was the the Breakfast Club, obviously. I, I think a lot of those. And she had a, a cameo in the one of those. The pickup artist, was it? Was it the pickup artist? That might be it. I, can, I know it was with, with um, Robert Downey Jr. It might, it might be that one. But it I does. may be confused with because the pickup artist was Robert Downey Jr. I would <laughs> have does. to look that up too. But <laughs> It does sound familiar. I, I'm, I'm not going to swear to it, though. All these keen research abilities I have before the show is awesome, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing, though. When you do these shows, we go a hundred different directions. We don't have nothing ever stay in one path or anything. Right. You never know what the conversation is going to go. That's the fun of it, though. You don't want a strict guideline to go by the whole show. I mean, that's kind of, you know, that, that turns boring after a while. You got to be a little bit more spontaneous with it. and yes, throw, a definitely. Few, <laughs> throw a few stories out there, no matter how embarrassing they may be. Blah, blah. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Lord. Rick Moranis was originally cast as the janitor and uh, they decided that wasn't going to work because 
his version of the janitor that he was doing was like an over-the-top Russian caricature. Oh, my goodness. Then it would have been a comedy. (laughs) Right. And they say it didn't suit the serious nature of the film. So he was replaced with John Capolis, which I thought he did a great job of uh, of doing the the part of the janitor. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I feel it, it ties in with the whole like kind of showing a Bender kind of future type. Like I had that feel of Bender seeing his future or like the janitor seeing his past because you can tell he was like the cool dude back in high school. Yeah. Yeah, and and the part where the the vice principal there and the janitor have the conversation of what did you want to be when you grew up? And he's like, I want to be John Lennon. He's like, No, be serious. You know, I've been teaching these kids for so long. Now they're turning against me. You know, they change. They get worse every year. And he makes the good point. No, the kids aren't changing how they are. You're just getting older. You're changing. Yeah. And it's really a true thing. I mean, kids are always kids. Yeah, you know, that, that's what you're saying. You know, well, kids will be kids. Kids are kids. You know, you want to get mad at them, but then you think back, what did you do when you were that age? Right. You know, how how bad of a kid were you? Or did you ever did you agitate your your brothers and sisters or whatever you might have had to point? I had one sister I agitated and I aggravated so bad all the time. Typical big brother. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was so but I was I was so aggravating to her. I, mm. I have calmed my ways down. In my later years, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do her quite as bad anymore. But just to make sure she remembers every so often, you know, I am still the big brother. I have to throw some aggravation her way. Yes. You have to suit your role, just like my big brother. <laughs> That's right. Don't you forget about me, right? Yeah. Since we're, since we're, ta- since we're talking about this movie. Uh, well, we're going getting close here to uh, wrapping up. We go usually about 45 minutes. We're at the 41-minute mark. Um, Tell everybody once again where they can find you at if they want to follow you. And just so if you got anything that you do, like, um, I'm not sure what all you do, like subscriptions and stuff like that, or if you do anything of that nature, but throw everything out there for me in case they want to find you and give you a follow. Cause she does have some cool stuff on her Instagram, I tell you. It's thanks. Yeah. A lot of ni- <laughs> definitely a lot of nice things that come up. And looks like in the background, she has quite a few plushy things back there. If you like some uh, stuffed animals with care bears and stuff. and Looks like I see a, a Scooby Doo behind you, possibly. There's a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. Garfield, Heathcliff, Smurfs, yeah. Snorks. There's, see? and then the page is the same. You know, I try to kind of throw in everything between movie clips and music videos, cartoons. I have a Saturday morning cartoon live that I do on Saturday mornings. Um, well, I'm gonna start getting up for that. You actually play <laughs> cartoons? Yes. 10 a.m. every Saturday, I put a cartoon on, just one episode, half an hour, you know, to kind of get the feel. People get their bowl of cereal, watched one episode well, of whatever I'm showing that day. And see, I gotta start getting up at nine. Oh, well, no, I gotta get up like at 8 45 now so I can get my cereal ready before the cartoon starts. Yes, because it's all about the cereal. That's right. <laughs> you don't have the cereal, you ain't living. Yeah, you need to, the only, it's the experience. The cereal, the cartoon, sitting on the floor. <laughs> I don't know how much we can sit on the floor at th- these days, but, you know, I try. I, w- I was going to say, can I have my chair? Because I might not get back up off the floor. <laughs> I hear you. But, yeah, I'm at Truly Outrageous 80s on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. <laughs> All right. And, again, it's pretty much just showing a little bit of nostalgia in every aspect. 
I try to throw myself in there doing little challenges right now. I'm trying to memorize the McDonald's menu song because I was, I was not <laughs> sure. I was not sure if I was going to do you this way or not, but I was going to say, do you want to leave us with anything in closing? Like maybe oh a song, for example, <laughs> I'm still uh, not there yet. I, that song I, was harder than I thought. I'm, it, I have like a couple more lines to go. It, it has cracked me up. I've, I, I saw your, one of them you did the other day. And I thought, wait, this has got to be something ongoing. So I, I started digging further back in your pictures that you put up on Instagram. And I was like, well, there's another one. Oh, there's no, okay. Yeah. This is an ongoing thing. My but attempts. You, <laughs> but you've got the actual one, the actual commercial on there too, with the guy singing it. Yes. And I posted also the record that they gave yes. out back in the day. Yeah. I, um, I never knew that. I never knew about the record. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. <clears throat> I, thought, I thought that was, I thought that was cool though. Yeah. The record supposedly, if you got the record where the, um, they sang the whole song, that means you were a, um, you know, the winner of a million dollars, but of course, who knows if anybody won? I remember the McDonald's Monopoly. I don't think anybody ever won that either. So, yeah, aside I, from like a, a large fries, I didn't win anything. <laughs> right. Or no, you, you get a bunch of those free medium fries or free medium drink things, right? Yeah. But you would never get like Park Place and Boardwalk together, or I, I don't, even, I don't even remember what all it took to win. Uh, if you had to fill in every space on the board, I don't remember either. I can't, they, should, I, they need to bring some of this stuff back. I mean, that would be that would be kind of cool. I mean, it really would. I mean, everybody's about nostalgia now, so I mean, it's because you, everyone if, that's throwing out ideas is our age. <laughs> that's right. And if you if you can make a grimace shake, you can have Monopoly come back. Yes, definitely. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, I won't. I will not put you to the torture of doing the song on the spot. But everybody, Just check, tune into my page. <laughs> right. Everybody, check out her page to see this because it's definitely. Uh, and it's definitely entertaining because it. Well, I, the last one I watched, it was like um, you were you're, you're quiet too when you do it. You do, <laughs> I, have I don't to get know. In the zone. Yeah, I, you're, you start out quiet, right? And then you start. You try to read. Okay, take two, and then you get a little <laughs> bit better. But it's like quarter pounder, double cheese, uh, Big Mac. What is it? <laughs> and it's like what? Yeah, it's what? it's like I'm trying. I'm trying to just like organize my thoughts in my head, and I start, and it's like okay. I get that that impulse, and then I yes. go, and then somehow I come to a halt. <laughs> right, but it is it's good though; it's good stuff, and I I appreciate that you do these things that you put the nostalgia out there for us all to try to relive a little bit. I think a, a little bit all of us try to do that, you know, who are on Instagram for this type of thing, the the whole '80s bit. We all try to throw some things out there. Some of the people got great collectible and toys are building up collections of uh, Timmy back to the 1980s is awesome. He's been on yes. here once with us before. He he came on and talked Goonies with me before. And that was fun. Uh, but he's got such a huge collection. And, oh, my gosh, I really can't. I don't talk to him near as often as I used to. I think his name might have been John. Um, something That dude. 80s dude? That 80s dude. Yeah, he also. He's got, he's got some great stuff that's not toys, though. He's got great things like, um, I mean, it was it's it's what the, the Coke or Pepsi can look like or the box of cereal from that time or uh, right. something you know he's got different things like that as well as toys too but i mean very nice collectible type things that bring back those memories and everything there's so much out there that brings back nostalgia it could be from a toy to like you said a can of soda mm -hmm. you know to just you know packets of kool-aid or what how you know tv guides how they were displayed in the store like there's some channels like recaptured eighties. He has a, like the TV guide stand with all the TV guides. And I'm like, wow, that looks so great. Right. And the only thing I can say is, you know, when you guys, uh, when you guys go and follow her, 
Uh, you can look on my list as well of people that I've got out there. Uh, check out some of these people we're talking about and go to their pages and follow them and you'll get just nonstop great things coming through all day on your feed. It, it'll be, it's, it's awesome. If you have a real interest in this, then in your own Instagram, you've got to be following all these people because you won't be, you know, unhappy in the least bit. You're going to enjoy it thoroughly. So uh, as far as we go, the podcast here, and you can find us on Inst- Instagram and uh, Facebook for the most part. I have tried to do TikTok. I've, I have. I've tried. I can't be consistent with it. I don't know why, but I can't be consistent. Yeah, it's not um, for everyone. <laughs> it's, it's, I guess it's not. Or maybe it's just the fact that I just don't have enough time in the world to do all of them. Uh, right. Yeah, it definitely I a, takes work. <laughs> it does. I do have a YouTube page, uh, you know, Retro Life for you. For the, you just type in Retro Life, the number four, Y-O-U, and YouTube, and you should pull up our page. Uh, for the most part, I've got on there in past interviews we've done with people and some of the other shows where Travis and I are just doing very regular topics and everything. But eventually, I'll have a lot more stuff on there that's just 80s general related, like uh, she's talking to it on hers. It brings back all kinds of nostalgia mm-hmm. because – here I can only do movies. Uh, it's only one thing at a time you can kind of do with a podcast because you get too broad with it, and and then you'll no be all find, over the place. Yeah, no one will find you anymore. It seems like so, but the YouTube page will eventually be different, and um, it'll get there soon. But yeah, you can find us there: uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, any place you listen to your podcast. If you type us in, you'll find us on there, and uh, just follow us, subscribe to it. If you got any ideas you'd like to hear. Uh, send us an email, retrolife for you at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to hear, what kind of movie you want us to talk about. And you can see us on the web and listen to us straight from the website as well if you need to at www.retrolife, the number four, the letter u.com. It's a little bit different than everything else because that's what they gave me the other while you was taken, I believe. I think it was. But anyway, Cindy, thanks a lot for. Being on once again, I really appreciate you taking the time to come out here and talk some uh, Breakfast Club with us. No, thanks for having me. This was fun. Right, no problem. If you want to come back in the future, you're always welcome back again anytime. We'll find us another good one to talk about. We There's so of, many good ones to talk I, about, so we I had, would definitely. We had, we had plenty of suggestions on the board going, so I mean, we could always go back and pick another one another day. Sounds great. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to us and following the show and everything. Uh, as you said, be sure to follow her as well, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Take have care. a good have a have a good one